0: Is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip, this episode, Group B, Russia.
1: Today we're heading all the way to Moscow to talk to my old friend Boris Bogdanov about the Russian national team. Boris is the football editor of sportbox.ru, a leading Russian sports website. I know him from his time as a jury member of UEFA's Best Player Award and he's one of Russia's most respected football journalists. Now, the spotlight has been off Russia for a couple of years since they hosted the 2018 World Cup, but they're still a fascinating football country with a huge sporting heritage. And they're one of those teams that don't get a lot of coverage ahead of major tournaments. They're generally not seen as good travellers, and that's been the case in in recent Euro tournaments. But what's intriguing about this competition is that Russia will be playing their opening two Euro games in St. Petersburg. And the Russian authorities are pretty confident that stadiums in St. Petersburg will be at least 50% full of home fans. So Russia will have the same sort of home advantage that they enjoyed at the World Cup three years ago when they... exceeded expectations and only went out on penalties to eventual finalists Croatia in the quarterfinals so Boris is in a very good position to assess how this team has developed over the last three years since the 2018 World Cup so grab a glass of vodka couldn't be anything else but if you don't fancy that black tea with lemon, stick in your headphones and find out all about Russia with Boris Bogdanov. So, Boris, Russia qualified for the Euros in pretty good style, winning seven successive matches after losing the opening game to Belgium. But there have been some mixed results in the Nations League recently. Victories over Hungary and Serbia back in September. But a 5-0 defeat to Serbia in the final game of 2020. So, what's the feeling about the Russia team at the moment with you and, and people in Moscow?
0: Well, uh, for- It's difficult to say, but I I would say uh, we're not very optimistic about uh, the Euro because of the last games, as you mentioned it, they were very, very bad, very poor. The team didn't play well and uh, they deserved what they got. So... Let's see what happens next. But so far, it's rather pessimistic than optimistic, I would say. Also because also because of the very poor performance of our clubs in the European club tournaments this year, this season, both in the Champions League and the Europa League. All our clubs managed to win one game altogether. That's not a very good result. And also the, they showed they were much, much inferior to the best European teams. So, so this adds to, to our pessimism. It's
1: interesting that you talk about being pessimistic because after the World Cup in 2018, it was a good result in the World Cup, but a strong performance. Were people expecting more from the team after the World Cup?
0: I think, yes, people did expect more because, because well, it's been a long time since Russia since Russia managed to get so far in the World Cups, Russia did never, even if you take the Soviet Union times. So of course it was, uh, everybody uh, felt very optimistic and very emotional about it. Even people who normally don't watch football and uh, are not interested in football at all. In uh, 2018, uh, these days they supported the team and uh, football was a trend uh, in the society. So everybody, of course, expected uh, something good to follow. And uh, at the beginning, it was uh, really quite good. But then something went wrong, uh, and uh, Russia will return to the usual uh, place, I would say.
1: Right. Cherchishov, Stanislav Cherchishov, is still the coach, but he's made quite a few changes since the World Cup. The team that beat Mm -hmm. Scotland in September 2019 just towards the end of the qualifying campaign, a pretty crucial victory. That only had four players in the starting team from the World Cup quarter-final. So he's made a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. He's brought back players who missed the World Cup. Defender Gorgi Tsitskiya. There have been retirements. Sergei Nashevich, the defender, retired. Most importantly, mm-hmm. Akin Fiev has retired. There's been quite a lot of change, hasn't there?
0: So Of course, but uh, these changes are natural because uh, Akin Fiev, I, would, I wouldn't say he's old, he's 30s and something, but He's tired, of course, he's really tired of uh, playing both in CSKA Moscow and uh, the national team uh, all the time. Well, he, he's got a lot of injuries, so so he decided to dedicate himself to the club. It was his decision. Uh, well, Ignashevich, he had retired from the national team in, even before the uh, World Cup, but he returned to the team and immediately after he stopped playing, and now he's a coach. And Jiki returned because during the World Cup he was injured. He would have played at the World Cup if not for his injury. So now 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 he plays all the time. Some young players appeared, yes, like Miranchu, uh, for example, or Golovin. Yeah. They took more 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 prominent position in. The- It's it's a natural process, of course. Uh, It it happens everywhere. So it wasn't just because Cherchisov didn't like a guy or like like another guy.
1: And how is Cherchisov viewed by the media? Is he an easy guy to talk to? Is he available for interviews? And is there still a goodwill towards him because of what happened at the World Cup?
0: You know, well, I wouldn't say that Cherchezov is uh, very popular among journalists because he speaks. Yes, he speaks. He does speak. He can be contacted. He he gives interviews sometimes. He's always very sure of himself. Sometimes even seems a bit arrogant. He doesn't like like sharp questions, so he can react quite angrily. And I wouldn't say he's a person which is very good for, for journalists. Unlike, for example, if we take previous national team coaches, unlike, say, Gus Hiddink, who was our favourite. <laughs> uh, well, now no, 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 Chichester is different. I wouldn't say he's, he's very, very, very popular. Really.
1: No. In recent years, there have been quite a few naturalised foreign players in the squad. There have been some German-born players in, in the team. There's mm-hmm. now Mario Fernandez, who's one of the best players in the Russian league, the right-back and the goalkeeper as well Gilami is there still discussion about naturalizing foreign players I mean, is there a debate about how or whether Russia should be producing more more young players themselves or is is it just a it's just something that, that they're taking advantage
0: of the discussion still goes on of course because because many people think that uh... In general, naturalization is not a good solution for all the problems because the national team should be a reflection of the state of football in a country. So if we take a player from Brazil who was brought up in Brazil, who is not the product of our football system, he can play well, he can he can score goals and so on and win games for us, but he's not Russian, so it doesn't reflect really the strength of The national football. But other people say, okay, if we don't have enough players, why don't we hire some Brazilian? And Mario Fernandes has been living here for many years already, about eight or nine years. So everybody considers him almost Russian. So everybody likes him. But still, yes, you're right. Well, many people are against it. Not because of some xenophobia, but not because they don't like Brazilians or Germans, but they want the national team to be really national. I'd like to talk
1: a little bit more about some of the tactical options open to the coach. But first, let's take a quick break. Back talking with Boris about Russia. Mm-hmm. Churchill has... Really stuck with the same formation, hasn't he? In recent mm-hmm. times, the back four and then a, a sort of solid midfield with two wingers and then the captain Artem Zuba, as the lone striker. Mm-hmm. Is that how you would see Russia lining up typically in a sort of four-two-three-one formation?
0: Tactically, well, in some games it, it works, in some some games it doesn't. But the problem is, he he says he had. He has a plan B but sometimes we feel he, he doesn't because without Zuba for example the, the team stops scoring goals because they cannot change the, the tactics and play with uh, with different uh, strikers uh, also because the we don't have ma- ma- many many strikers in Russia and still the, the only tactic they have in attack is playing with one big guy like Zuba, so he's fine when he's fit, they know what what to do. But if he's out, they stop playing because they don't know what to do next. This is a problem.
1: And it was a problem in in November, wasn't it? That game against Serbia, we mentioned the the big defeat. Zuba was missing for various reasons that none of the alternatives seems to have impressed at all. So we'll have Chalov, Zabalov... None of, none of them seem to have the same effect as, as Zuba. And Zuba is yes. also... Is he also an important personality for the squad as the captain? Uh, and he's, yes. he's a very popular player as well, isn't he? Was he voted the Footballer of the Year. He has that mm-hmm. a strong effect on the squad as well, yeah?
0: Yes, sure. He's a ca- the captain. He's one of the leaders. And also, you know, you mentioned Zabalotti, for example, the guy who is comparable to, to Zuba by his uh, characteristics. But the problem with Zabalot, he doesn't score. He scores very seldom in his club. I don't know why. Maybe he just lacks quality for, for this. Sobolev from Spartak, also a big guy. That's why Chechesov takes him. But he doesn't play all the games in Spartak. He's a rotation player. When Chalov is quite different, It's quite another type of striker. He plays in CSK which plays a different football. Short, quick passes, uh, most, mostly on earth and not in the air. And uh, so, so, Chalov in the national team, it just seems a bit lost. That's the problem, as I mentioned. We have Zuba and we don't have plan B or plan C. And Zuba is not is not young anymore. He's 32 and uh, a couple of years more and he will be out.
1: And ironically for Churchesov, who's a former goalkeeper... I mean, we always think of, of Russia producing great goalkeepers, you know, the, the country of Lev Yashin. But the goalkeeper is a problem position at the moment, isn't it? After Akin Feev's retirement. Mm-hmm. There's a Brazilian, I mentioned, uh, Guilherme. Mm-hmm. Lunev, Andre Lunev has played, but not been entirely convincing. What's the situation with the goalkeeper?
0: For many years, the goalkeeper position was the only one in the national team which everybody was absolutely sure of. Akin Feev and... That's all. Now when Akinfeyev is out, there are a few goalkeeper. cannot uh, say that one of them is uh, really number one. Guilherme, uh, yes. Joseph likes him and he played a lot of games uh, under Church Joseph. But he's not young anymore and he's not very, very reliable anymore. He sometimes concedes very stupid goals and uh, sometimes he's too nervous uh, which is bad for, for the goalkeeper. There are a couple of Young keepers like Safonov from Krasnodar uh, FC and uh, Matvienko from Spartak Moscow. Both are very promising and very good. And uh, the public is pressing Cherchesov to, to take one of them or both. But he says that so far, so far they have, they have to play for the under-21 team, which is also playing their own Euro this year. And then we shall see. But probably, probably one of them should take the place so I can pay. I don't know when where this happens.
1: You mentioned the under-21s. There's a young centre-back, Igor Deviev, who's very promising and very highly rated. Mm-hmm. He could play in the under-21s mm-hmm. as well. But there's a lot of talk that he should be yes. in, in the defence, in the centre defence, because it's not a young defence anymore. The best option at mm-hmm. left-back is, is Yuri Zhirkov, who's now, I think, mm-hmm. 37. So there needs to be a bit of a shake-up in the defence. Yeah. Is that right?
0: Well, Zhirkov, is he, he kind of an iron man, I would say, because at his 37, he still is capable of running 90, for 90 minutes without getting tired. So I don't know why probably she, he, he, he works a lot, but he's still one of the best, if not the best, at this uh, position, I mean the left side uh, def- defender. So I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't see many young players who can replace him, so probably he will play for a while yet. As, as for Diveyev, Cherchev once tried him last year. I don't remember the game, but the game wasn't good. And 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 Diveyev made a couple of mistakes, maybe because he was nervous getting for the first time in the national team. But still in says Moscow, yeah, he, he plays quite well. And he's also one of the leaders in the under-21 team. I think he can become the next Berezulski or next uh, next Ignashevich uh, He's still very young, he's still very young, but already quite uh, reliable uh, central defender and uh, he will grow up.
1: And what about in midfield? Who are the key players in midfield? Because you have Ozdoyev and Zobnin as the sort of defensive hard workers Mm. in the centre. And then the creativity comes from Golovin, Chereshov, Alexey Miranchik.
0: Yeah, sure. To my point of view, the, the top midfielder is Golovin today. Strangely, we have only three players now in the European top five leagues. Mirenchuk and uh, now Kokorin in Italy and Golovin in France. And of the three uh, so far, only Golovin can be considered as one of Monaco's top players. He always plays. He's a guy who is always there and he does a lot of good things for, for Monaco. So I think he's the best midfielder today and the most creative. As for Mirenchuk, he's very good. He has a lot of talent, but the problem is in Atalanta he doesn't play much. I don't know why, just a few minutes every time, and he manages to score goals even in this little period he's uh, getting from the coach. But he's good; he, he, he can. I don't know for of the problem is maybe to combine Golovin and Miranchuk because they are both creative midfielders, so he should find a uh, place for both of them. Which is not maybe easy because uh, everyone wants to be to be the, the leader. He wants to be the playmaker. Too many creative players is not is not good either. You know, but it's up to 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 use them.
1: Are there any players that we should look out for? Any players that you think should be in the squad that have not been called up yet? Is there a surprise player that's going to come through? <laughs>
0: I don't know. You know, the problem is, is, the problem in Russia is we don't have uh, many good players. Uh, the problem is the Chichesov doesn't have uh, many players to choose from, probably because the football schools, football academies are not working properly. Maybe the transition from the youth football to the to the professional football doesn't work properly. A lot of problems, you know. So, so I, I really cannot see uh, any players which are good enough to play in the national team and uh, which are left behind so far. Joseph okay. tries to, tries everybody. So maybe some some guys from the under-21 team will join the main team in the future because so far they are performing quite well. But you know that it's not always the case when a young player growing up still plays like he did before. Sometimes getting older, they are not getting better.
1: I'd like to talk about some wider issues in in the Russian league, but first let's take another quick break. Back talking with Boris. Since the World Cup, Boris, the national side have gone on the road playing games... At some of the stadiums around the country, the stadiums that were built for the World Cup or, or rebuilt for the World Cup in Rostov mm-hmm. and Kaliningrad, and Sochi and Nizhny Novgorod, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saransk, as well as um, Saint Petersburg mm-hmm. and Moscow, with the you know the, the traditional stadiums. What's been the thinking about that? Is that because they want to make use of these stadiums that are not being used at club level?
0: Yes, I think it was a decision of the football federation first because they want to take the they say that well it's the national team which so so the nation should 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 see see them they shouldn't be just playing all, all the time in Moscow, but they should go to other places because there people also want to see the national team. And also, I think, because they want to use the stadiums, of course, big stadiums which are not always used properly because there are, there are no, no local clubs we, which are capable to attract a lot of uh, supporters, you know, a lot, a lot of public. And also because because in, the provincial, in provincial cities, people probably would come in bigger number to the stadium to support the team because in in Moscow well it's the capital where people are spoiled they have too many too many things to see too many things to do and sometimes the stadium is not is not full but in a city like Nizhny Novgorod for example well the national team comes once in a few years so it will certainly attract more, more, more attention. That's that's other reason And
1: And is it, is it fair to say there's still a fair bit of money in the Russian league? Clubs are still able to attract foreign talent. Quite a few teams from mm. the Euros have got players in Russia. Alex Kral of the, the Czech Republic at Spartak. Mm. You've got the mm. Croatian midfielder Nikola Vlasic at CSK. How is the financial state of the Russian league at the moment?
0: Well, financial, financially, it's, it's not as good as it used to be when uh, the oil was more expensive. <laughs> so so when, when the whole economy is, is not passing uh, very good times now, so football is no, is no exception because, because the oil money is not coming like it used to, to come. So clubs now have to count money, even Zenit, Spartak. So it, it's worse, of course. Now it's difficult to find, I don't think that Russian clubs can bring in people like like Hulk in Zenit or Axel Witzel or Malcolm and other players. If we take Vlasic, he's a young Croatian player, so he's not as expensive. You know, well, I don't remember, they paid for him about 15 or 17 million euro, which is A lot of money for Russia, but it's not not a lot of money for Europe, you know. But I think uh, many clubs are trying now to find young, not very expensive talents, more and more turning to another kind of policies, bringing young players, well, bringing them up and then reselling them for, for more money likely dutch clubs but still still of course many many clubs prefer to spend money and bring you know players who, who are ready to play not for the future but right now well but in general as a, the whole economy football is is living in difficult times
1: you talk you a uh, golovin at monaco and miranchuk collection miranchuk at atalanta they're examples of players who who've, mm-hmm. who've moved abroad I mean, Golovin in particular has, has improved as a player at Monaco, although he's, he's been injured recently. He's a rare example of a Russian player who's gone abroad because most Russian players are quite happy to stay in Russia with money and then take the money there. Why have Russian players not moved abroad in the past?
0: Well, you know, uh, there were different periods regarding this subject. In the 90s, when the, the Soviet Union... Just collapsed and uh, the country opened for, for the world. Many players went to Spain or to Italy or any foreign countries because there were no money here and they were ready to play anywhere just to, to earn something. And there was a big demand for them because they were quite good players like Remind Mostovoy or Kanchelskis, Karpin and other guys who played in good European clubs. Then when the Russian clubs became quite well the players were not interested anymore in going abroad because they couldn't go to, to, to really big uh, European clubs like, like uh, Manchester United or, or uh, Liverpool, just to, to smaller clubs which, which couldn't pay them as, uh, as much as uh, Russian clubs do. So they were not interested. But now we have another generation which grew up, the likes of Miranchuk or Golovin. Who are ready even to lose some money, but to discover the world and to try themselves in a new, new setting, in, in another league, to try to play another football and to try. And probably Golovin, I don't know, probably he thinks that after Monaco, if he does well, he can go in some bigger club, maybe to Spain, maybe to England, maybe to Paris Saint-Germain, I don't know. So there, this is a generation which, which are still interested in money, of course, but also in other things. I think the more players like them we have, the better for football because they will gain new experience playing in Italy, Spain, or somewhere else. And, uh, well, it, 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 it's, it's a good thing for football to, to, exchange, to exchange players between countries, I think. Sure. So uh, at some stage, we didn't have uh, any players abroad at all.
1: Recently, Russia lost an appeal to CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, over the the doping ban to do the Olympics. It means that Russia won't be allowed to compete at the World Cup under the the flag of Russia, but the the team can still compete. Is that a problem at all? Are people talking about it? Or is football just going to get on and carry on uh, regardless?
0: Well, first of all, to think about this problem, we must first qualify to (laughs) world cup so if we do if we do then uh, of course well then we shall we shall invent some some name for the team like uh, you know independent football team or football team of russia a group of russian players i don't know what and uh, invent some song to be performed instead of the anthem but I, I, would, I, I can't say that people are talking really much about it because it's, it's still too far. Yeah, some people say we shouldn't go there because it's an offence for us. But most, most people say, okay, if we want to play at the World Cup, these are the rules, we should, we should uh, follow the rules. So if our atlas used, used some, some doping, uh, so we are punished for this, we, we must obey which is normal. To my point of view, it's it's absolutely, absolutely no, normal situation. And we have already the, this experience at last Winter Olympics. Uh, our ice hockey team uh, performed without anthem or flag, and they won the, the Games. So it's, it's, it doesn't matter really, really much.
1: No, sure. And just finally, looking ahead to the Euros in the summer, what's your prediction for Russia? In a reasonable group with Denmark and, and Finland, it's a, a reasonable group, you'd say, uh, with Belgium as well as the favourites in the group.
0: Well, um, I, I'm sure Russia will not qualify from the group from the first place, because I think the Belgium will get it. I think Russia will compete for the second place with, with Denmark. And I, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, this time, even uh, the third team from a group can, can qualify yeah. for, for the playoffs. So it gives us more more chances. Maybe, maybe we, 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 shall, we shall qualify for the, the last 16, but we will not go very far, I think.
1: Horace, it's always good to talk to you. I hope we can meet up again in person soon, either mm. in, in Moscow or in London, if you visit London. And thanks so much for your time.
0: You're welcome. Welcome. It's a pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, and you want to find out more there's a new podcast with a different journalist from every single country competing in this summer's european championship you can find them all wherever you listen to your podcasts don't forget to subscribe and follow this show so you know whenever i release a new episode and you can find out more great sports podcasts on the Sports social podcast network just head to sport-social.co.uk
0: gavin hamilton's euro road trip follow and subscribe now so you never miss an episode This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.